And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. This is Lee Dort, and I'm Donna Dunk. This is Lee Dort, and I'm Donna Dort. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku, and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these? I'm going to share with my team, but I'm going to hog most of them. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Mondays, is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Well, uh, I mean, this Monday, my connection works for yes. now, maybe, <laughs> so we can see each other. We can go live. Fantastic. Oh, it's so good. It's uh, it's always better to go live. It's always better to, to be here with all the people on the stream here, following us on YouTube. So thanks so much for joining everybody. Uh, getting some love in the stream. People are saying thanks for being for the No Dunks content. If you're not aware, I'm covering for JD on No Dunks all week this week. So you can hear me for a little bits on the No Dunks podcast as well. I also am going to be on the Athletic NBA show tomorrow with Sam Amick and Fred Katz for a just a, a, a part of it. They actually are going to go over all of the teams that are not going to make the playoffs and are going to discuss their futures. And so they brought me on to discuss OKC. So you can hear me with those guys tomorrow. It should drop around like 8 a.m. So look for that as well. So look at you, the black belt of the athletic podcast. Oh, man. Doing lots and lots of podcasts, which is honestly living the dream. Living the absolute dream. Yeah. You, know, you know who else is living the dream, McKelly? Olivier Sar. Olivier Sar and Poku. Holy smokes. So I was in the arena last night for this game. It I was saw you. Awesome shirt. You like my shirt? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, credit to my wife for that shirt. Yeah, it's, it was an interesting game. You know, the, the Suns shot the ball horrifically. They were 7 mm-hmm. of 38 from 3, 18%. And... Throughout the game, I'm kind of tracking it. It's like, oh, they're like 2 of 14. Now they're like 3 of 17. Like, okay, this is... Something's got to give here. Like, they're not going to shoot 18% for the game, right? And the Thunder were still down. Like, at one point, they were down 10, and the Suns were shooting horribly, and it felt like, oh, this is going a certain direction. And then just the floodgates opened of Thunder points in the third quarter. They outscore the Suns 32 to 22 in the third, 33 to 21 in the fourth. Uh, a lot of in 
so a lot of people are like, oh, you're being hypocritical. You were mad about the Roby game, and like now you're happy about the Poku game. You know what? Yes, I am. Yes, I definitely am. Because I I find it hard to be mad about a player that you feel like is going to be a part of the could be a part of the future of the Thunder, mm-hmm. rather than just a guy that you just think is kind of passing through. In my opinion, and I may be wrong, I feel like Roby's passing through. I don't think this is going to be the final <laughs> destination for Roby. Yeah. Don't be How sure. dare you? I mean, is the if there are two seconds or less, please pass me the ball and I will make a basket hey, kind of guy. He he is. It's insane. He is. He's he's got the big balls in the last seconds of whatever clock is ticking down. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. But Poku, in that second half, like first half, he was kind of a mixed bag. In the second half. No, 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 Andrew, stop it. The first quarter was horrible. Horrible. It was like first part of the year, kind of Pokuchevsky. I mean, I said, okay, thank you, Poku. We really, really <laughs> need to play like this. I know, I know that we want you to be good, but not tonight. It was the, tur- the turnovers we... were crazy in the first yeah. in the first quarter. Yeah. Yeah, Dignall had to sit him twice. He did. In the first part of the game. Then you and get then... to the third quarter. Wow, and it was magic. it was it really was like the fully actualized version of Poku, the Poku that we just like have fantasized about and talked about so much. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, he's real. You know, it's like it would be like if a unicorn just like walked in front of my window at my house right now, but they're real. Like Poku, I saw it right in front of me. It was real. And it was the scoring was great. The passing though. Oh, the yeah. ball handling and the passing where he would be the one to get the rebound, he'd bring the ball up, and he he was creating stuff for everybody and mm-hmm. was so good. He threw him in transition, like this becoming a thing with Poku. Is like in transition, not only offensively, like he's he's gonna score or he's gonna find somebody, but defensively, he had like a block in transition. There was a two-on-one where the Suns were coming at him. And he was able to at least got a foul and stop them from scoring. He's becoming like a pretty good player in transition. And not that the hope, I mean, the hope still is that Poku can be that kind of guy that can go get you, what do you have, 18, no, 17, 10, and 12. 10, 12. I mean, if he, and that's great. But if he can be just like a connected tissue player, even Mm -hmm. if he's off the bench, He's coming in and he's handling the ball and he's pushing and maybe he can close for you in certain lineups. Like that's at least something there. And he's doing it efficiently, which is the change from last year. I need to call up this tweet because Alex put it out this morning that because it's easy to say like, oh, he did this last year too. I was like, well, no, this is actually quite different than what he did last year. You know, he's seven of 14 from the field. You know, the the one knock you can have on him last night is that he just doesn't get to the free throw line because he avoids contact at all costs because yeah. he's the skinniest guy in the NBA. Like, that's fine. For now. Yeah, for now. Until he beefs up this summer. Watch out, NBA. No, I mean, the, the SAR, like if SAR was the only thing and it was like Teo and Roby and SAR, like I think I would be sufficiently angry. Um, yeah, but... Like, but because, can, can, because, can it was po- because it was Poku, that's where I'm like... Yeah, of course. Yeah, if I'm hypocritical, I don't care. Yeah, but even, like, I cannot be mad at Olivier Saar. Like, how can you be mad at him? He's doing exactly what everyone in their, in their job do. Like, it's he true. tries to be the best version and, of himself. And also, 
the Thunder just said, here's the worst we can offer. And when the worst we can offer goes five of six from three, like you just kind of have to throw your hands up. Exactly. I mean, exactly. The plan is, hey, we are going to to try to play the least amount of NBA player possible. Yeah. We are playing Olivier Sar. Um, I mean, what can they do more than this? They are letting Vit Krejci mm-hmm. and Alexei Pokusevsky being the point guard mm-hmm. because, like, maybe the strategy is just to have Malerun going ISO every single time. That would be a good tanking strategy. But I mean, those two guys, they really played the right way. They, they, they were moving the ball around. And like, how can you be mad? Yeah, like, I'm not mad. I, mean, I think I think people are... So there was a whole just anger tornado amongst the... Mm-hmm. that It started in Detroit and then it came to Oklahoma City afterwards where it was mm-hmm. all the Detroit fans were going nuts because they won the game. They look at the schedule. The Thunder go ahead of them in the, in the reverse standings. Thunder fans are celebrating. Detroit fans are furious. Then it switches because the Thunder end up winning, and then Thunder fans are furious, and Detroit fans are like, oh, what were we so mad about? You know, and it's funny because all that happened was that things stayed the way that they were before games were played yesterday. <laughs> Like they say, yeah. they stayed the exact same. And is it upsetting that they're not sitting alone in third? Yeah, definitely is. I've been saying for a long time, I think they're just going to end up at fourth. And there was hope that they could be higher. Sure. But I don't know. Detroit is on a three game winning streak. Like perhaps they can <laughs> win more games. You know, that's not impossible perhaps. that, that no. they win more games. But also, we just. At this point, like the amount of like angry energy that's being expended is just like to me, it's just too exhausting <laughs> to mm-hmm. to put your emotions in the hands of Olivier Saar and whether the ball that he shoots goes in or not. It's like okay, they'll probably beat the Blazers, guys. Yeah, in like, in all actuality, tomorrow night they're probably going to beat the Blazers. And you're right. Yeah. You, Michele would win the over-under battle between us because they're going to get to 24 yes. wins. I don't think that they're going to get to 25. I think the scoring title is at hand for LeBron. LeBron's got to play for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully they can just be worse than the Clippers who don't have anything to play for either. Maybe they could end up there. It's not impossible. But mm-hmm. that that would be upsetting. But... I don't know. Like things, the, what's going to happen is going to happen at this point. We know what they should be doing. We know what the goal should be. We knew that it was attainable down the stretch here, but you have to lose. Like losing out is really hard at this point in the year because yeah. you don't know what you're getting. I mean, they lost that game to Detroit, but holy smokes, they could have won that game. If they played oh, like yeah. they did last night. They win that game easy. They win that game by thirty if they play yes. like they did last night. So yeah, you. you- you can't shoot forty-one percent every single night. Um, Olivier Sar will not go five or six. Five out of six from yeah. three uh, every single night. Um, you know what I really, I was thinking about this this morning, and I think that I, that I mentioned this on uh, Thunder After Dark and or in Question of the Day. I don't remember um, the fact that I mean it's not necessary that you have. Do you need to have Poku on the ball? Mm-hmm. I mean. Yes, it would be nice for him to handle transitions, for example, uh, to be able to to make an outlook pass or to do 
some stuff with the ball in any sense. Yeah. But the beauty of having a very good passer that is not creating a lot of space with his dribble is that it, the less he dribbles, the better, and he, he can be dangerous anyway with the ball in his hands. I think that like focus dribbling is not the skill that we witnessed last night. Yeah. But the fact that he's able to throw like very difficult passes to be oh, yeah. good from three point range to get the shot off against basically anybody because he's so tall and mm-hmm. the ball starts high. So I think that even this actual version of Poku that we really like, you don't have him necessarily with, with him being on the ball every single time. You can have him uh, alongside Giddy, alongside Shea, alongside yeah. Trey Mann. He can be the guy who just ha- has a good pass, makes a shot, make a quick decision, and, and makes everything easier. So um, I really think that the beauty of Fokushevsky, like the, the 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 good version of him, is that he's very versatile. Depending on what you need, uh, even positionally. I mean, there were moments where he was playing the five or the three or the four, whatever. He was bringing the he, ball up the court on one end, and then he's guarding centers on the other end. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's there. He's very versatile, and he's become pretty good. And this and this part of the season's wacky. What's real? What's not? Sure, I don't know. Like nobody knows, no knows. really. Hmm. However, the version of poker that we had at the beginning of the season wouldn't be doing stuff like this <laughs> at this point. So it's just whether it's real or not, whether like this is Poku taking the next step or not, like I don't know. At least he's doing it because yeah. there's a world where he's not doing this at all, where it's just six turnovers and five assists and four rebounds. And he can't stay on the floor because he's too frail. And two out of eight from three. Yeah, I mean that there is that world that exists out there for Poku, and you see what you see in Poku, and even like Veet is the type of player that they're going after, like these multi-positional, multi-skilled guys. Like you can start to catch the vision for what the Thunder want, and then you can start to look at the guys that are in this draft and say, okay, who fits the vision? Because mm-hmm. it's bigger guys that can really pass, that can play multiple positions. I mean, that's what, I mean, that's Giddy, that's Shea, that's Poku, that's Baisley to a degree, that's Veet. Like, that's what they're wanting. Like, those are the kind of guys that they want where they can play these crazy weirdo lineups. And you look at a guy like Chet Holmgren, you're like, yep. Checks the boxes. You look at Paulo Boncaro and what he did in the tournament. You're like, yep, checks the boxes because he can pass. Like, he's a good passer. And can you get him to operate within the system? Like, I don't know. Like, they get to figure that out. Uh, So those are the kind of guys that you can look at. You know, Dyson Daniels can be that way. I mean, there's going to be some guys in this draft that they look at and no, it's 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 exciting. You get into like the six to eight range, and you feel less sure about those kind of guys because I don't know that even Griffin is that guy or Shaden's that guy. Um, I don't the know. The beauty is that you don't really need. I mean, of course, the vision is having multi-dimensional players, um, but the beauty of having like a few of these, mm-hmm. like Shay, like Giddy, is that you you may also want to get to play finishers and. And it's Definitely. not like if you look at Clay Thompson and what he was, uh, again, picking probably one of the best play finishers in the world. So I don't expect to 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 pick a Clay Thompson next year. That'd be great. But he 
It would be great. <laughs> would be the perfect compliment to uh, to Shea and Giddy, like just just having a yeah. tall, great defender, knockdown shooter um, that learned how to create off the dribble. It's not that he was able to really create for others. The first mm-hmm. dimension and the second and third dimension of Clay Thompson was, hey, hey I can. Shot, okay, shoot it very well, and this is what I will do. So even if you have a player like that in the draft, um, he will fit well. And to be honest, I'm I'm also curious. I, I would be curious to see not not picking him at the draft necessarily, but to see Shea playing with an elite rim, not elite, well, a good rim, uh, rim diver, and see how it works. Um, because I I can really see um, him playing with a small ball uh, with a small ball five or a, or a, or a center that can really space the floor. We saw it working at perfection with Michael Scala. I I almost wonder uh, like how if you have another shooter on the wings, just having a strong diver um, like Prime DeAndre Jordan. See what happens with Shane Giddy. No, maybe even a little bit less than that. Yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting point, and it's where you can look at Duran, or you can look at I don't know Mark Williams, and say like, okay, those guys are way more skilled than anybody that we have right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of those guys could work out. You know, it's 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 very possible that that could happen, and you know, I know it's frustrating to think about this team dropping to like six or seven or wherever. Um, and I'm, and I'm not saying like the thunder need to model their team after these other, these other franchises and whatever, or they're going to be just as lucky as these franchises. It takes so much luck to become a great team, but like you have to acknowledge that like the golden state warriors, when they were built, they didn't have a pick above six Yeah, when they built their team. The highest, do you know who the highest drafted player was in the in in that Golden State Warriors era where they became a really good team? You know who it was? Uh it was Bogut. But uh that they drafted, it was drafted. Uh, Harrison Barnes. It wasn't Barnes. Oh really? Harrison Barnes is pick number seven. Steph Curry was pick number seven. There's one guy. Clay Thompson was number eleven. Draymond Green thirty five, Festazili thirty. Yeah, we know. There was one player drafted sixth in the 2010 draft. Mm. Epe Udo oh boy. was drafted sixth. Oh, I would by the Warriors. That. No one would have. Epe lives here. He's got a house here in Edmond. It's great. Don't play in the NBA anymore. Didn't play very well for the Warriors. The Warriors <laughs> now they had to have extreme luck in that they got all-time players at seven, eleven, and and thirty-five. So repeating is this, that is impossible. But what I'm just—is yeah, this all luck? Some of it's luck. Some of it is just great talent evaluation. Mm-hmm. Too. And I'm just saying that. I'm not saying that the Thunder should abandon the tank and just do whatever. I think they're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just—you also have to. We also have to let go of the fact that if they don't get a top five pick, it doesn't mean doom and gloom. <laughs> you know, I no. I feel like everybody. It's it's one way or the other, and most likely, if you if the Thunder picked six, six, eighth, they're not gonna get a blue chipper. Like the the idea of that is probably, and, and Josh Giddy might be the closest thing to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and he probably he's probably he's considered a blue chip prospect at this point as an NBA player. 
great. Cool. Yeah. They got one. The Warriors took Steph Curry and then absolutely whiffed on Epe Udo the next year and then got Clay Thompson in the following draft. So even if like this year doesn't work out, like I don't I expect the Thunders to be almost kind of similar in the way that they picked. And it doesn't mean you're not going to have a championship contender. It doesn't mean that you are going to have a championship contender. I think we, the top five pick is very important. And I do think it's a failure on the Thunder's part to not ever get one if they don't ever get one, but it doesn't mean it's an absolute failure. You know, it's just, the NBA is just so difficult because there's, there's not a science. It's not like this plus this equals that it's, you can ask these teams that have been in the lottery. You can ask the Timberwolves, who have drawn number one multiple times, and ask them like, "How have things gone for you?" <laughs> you know, yeah, it's uh, not all like, about that. Yeah, either you draft a Luca uh, and LeBron, and then you are there, uh, basically yeah. by the fact that you have one of a one of a kind. Um, or, or there are many chances. There are many paths. Mm. And I mean, I don't want to spoil anything because I, I'm hoping to discuss this with Alex someday. But <laughs> you guys need to. Uh, um, I think that, um, that the problem of OKC is that they are a little bit too much ahead on the curve uh, in terms of uh, the guys that they have. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, the players that the young players are are very interesting and very good and resilient and the and most night not they are playing very well. I mean Orlando, Houston, Detroit they don't have anything resembling Shea, like not even close. They don't even they don't have even anything relating to like young guys like Dort that that are really really good defensively. Mm. Um, they don't probably have veterans that want to play the right way um yeah. or not to as to a certain degree they, they may not have a good coaching staff mm-hmm. as good as uh, as okc's mm-hmm. so it's um it's very tricky to on one hand want to have a developing machine uh, as a franchise and um a, a team that drafts very very well and 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 be having like a bottom five record it's it's not easy you can just yeah. do so many things. Uh, you can say, hey, they could have started in, in January, but maybe in January, um, internally, they said, hey, we don't want to start as of yet because this, this and that, that we probably don't know. Like there are many reasons why teams are okay playing like this, playing the guys that they are playing only in the second part of the season. It's not, a, it's not like, uh, like, to me, it's not random the fact that all the teams now are sitting most of the guys yeah and they didn't do it early in their season detroit had jeremy grant yeah and he they didn't sit him no from the beginning why not they could have been worse sure but you need to have i think that there are some unwritten rules mm-hmm. and and all the teams are following those those to some degree mm-hmm yeah, James Anderson in the chat says you want to maximize your odds so no excuse for getting the fourth best odds two years in a row in tanking years. Yeah, I I agree. I, I just start to ask the questions like what what do you do? I mean, to me it's like trade the veterans, you just don't have veterans on your team at all. Like that's that was obviously 
not going to be part of the equation because they wouldn't have kept these guys if that was going to be part of mm. what they were going to do. I think that they didn't think Josh was going to be as good as he is. I don't think they thought that Shea was going to be as good as he is. And it's it's kind of like the the Diet Coke version of, of what happened to them with the other team was that they got better faster than they could have ever imagined. And yeah. they're trying to hold them back right now. Like they're, they're pushing these guys back as far as they can. And I still am of the belief that they will do this again next year. And it will be more difficult to do, to hold them back further. But I think that that's probably as long as you can do it, because I think that they are, I, I think the Thunder understand that like, Three years in a row, being in like the top four to six or wherever they end up next year, like you're eventually going to get some some luck and you're going to have a chance to pick somebody really good. I think the hope is that it's this year or perhaps next year. But I think after that, I think that you're going to have to either decide that you want to keep going back to the lottery well or you want to just go ahead and let go and just say whatever happens, happens with these guys. If they make the play-in, great. If they're in the lottery, great. Whatever happens, happens. But the the whole reason to do this, and there's people in my mentions all the time, like, oh, why don't they just let, let the boys play? Let the boys play the game, you know? It's yeah. because they want to stay out of the middle. That's yeah. What this is all about. And if, and if don't fool yourself into thinking that the middle is better because the problem with the middle is that teams don't get out. Yes. Don't get out. Unless, unless you have certain... I mean, Memphis uh, is one example that I think it's it's really nice uh, for the, OKC. The, the middle was a stepping stone for them. But, if you're, but this team, as constructed, without one other great talent, is either counting on Shea making another huge leap, Giddy being a generational player, or Poku becoming, you know whatever Sam Vecini thinks Poku is, you know? Yeah, or, or they are, or they are a little bit worse than what you say, and the sums of their parts is better. Because, yeah. I mean, Memphis, in the second year of Jamorant, we said, what are they doing? They are not ready. They are absolutely not ready. And we said it with the Hawks. And Memphis was in the middle, mm -hmm. and now they are like a powerful powerhouse in the West. They are mm -hmm. extremely good. Now, you cannot take these examples as, hey, um, just do as they did and it will be all okay. There's no, look team, at there's no team that you can look at and say, hey, we want to do that. Let's do that. Exactly. Like, exactly. No, but and I don't think the Thunder are, they shouldn't be under any impression that they can be like, hey, let's let's be the Raptors from a few years ago or let's be, exactly. let's be exactly. the, the Grizzlies now or how can we be the Suns? Can, hey, Phoenix, can we get Chris Paul back? You know, like they're not. That's not what's happening. <laughs> no, no. But I think that you, they, they are still mindful about. Hey, we know what the plan is, but we also want to test it out. And I think that the start of the season should be about that. Yeah, should be about. Hey, let's see what we have here. Of course, you don't have to really play. You can know for yourself uh, in the training rooms and stuff like that. Yeah. But say that you, they draft okay between four and seven and you get a player that works really well with yeah. Gideon Shea. 
And because again, what sticks to my mind, uh, it's if it's just Kenrich and Mike that make you a team that obliterates opponents, then it's not Kenrich and Mike. It's that those are functional players. And if you have one young player that is also functional to your team, say that they draft AJ Griffin, uh, and he is bombing 40% plus and, and he's a plus defender. Uh, which is a tall task for uh, for a for a rookie, but yeah. say that he is because he's I don't know he's just good. It's very possible, and he's crazy it, young. Like he, if he's your exactly guys, it's not. It's it's disastrous in that you didn't w- almost waste a whole year just to get AJ Griffin. But you know, it's a. But if he if he works for you. Surprise. Then and everything clicks because maybe Jerry is better. Like there are like what if they start ten and twelve? Sorry, ten and four. What do you do then? Do you really stop it? Do you really say, hey, no? Of course, if they start seven and ten, yeah. If they start seven and twelve, you say, hey, we are not there. We tried. Look, Shay, we really need another piece. Like I really think that that there is. Um, like starting with the hey, the season will go this way. It's yes, you can have it in your mind because again, you, you look at facts, you look at how they play in summer league, you look at how they play training camp. They know, they will know. Um, but you know, also need to to look it, uh, to watch the team in their eyes uh, against like other premium teams and say, okay, they are not there. Yeah, because to me, there were moments in the beginning of the season. Where a lineup with Shea, Giddy, Mike, Kenrich, and like another guy, mm-hmm. not named Baisley, was obliterating good teams. Mm-hmm. The Sixers. I mean, they were playing the Sixers out of the court with Mike Moscala as the center. And it's always the case. It, 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 the thought is always the same. Like, if an average to below average player that is functional to what you do makes you great, then it's the rest. Yeah. It's not that. It's almost like the Looney thing with the Warriors. It's not that Looney is good as a center. He will not play for many teams in the league. It's just it functions well with the Warriors. Yeah. Well enough. It's true. To unlock stuff. Yeah. If Looney played for the Rockets or something, be like it's like Daniel Tice was for them. <laughs> probably. Yeah, maybe even worse. Maybe I mean, even worse. I I, yeah, I, I really think that if Gorgi Jeng would be would have been drafted by the Warriors and not Minnesota. He would have been an awesome player for them. Gorky Jang, he's not playing right now. No, he's not. Is he? In, is he? Gorky was Jeng. it in the Hawks bench? Yes. Is he, is he playing for them? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I was going to say I, I remember Gorky Jang recently. Where did I see him? Yeah. Uh, Gorky Jang or Stephen Adams? That is the question. I mean, that, that was a question. Definitely was. It definitely was the question. Or Olenek. Yep. One of the three. Let's get. I hope Stephen Adams gets a ring. Uh, okay. Right after this quick break, I thought we could take a look at the draft picks Thunder have upcoming this year. We'll look at next year too. There were questions in the chat about who they own, what they own, what they could become. Let's take a look at it right after this break. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When it's time for me to find a job, I went right to LinkedIn Jobs. They helped me 
find the right employer, and it was, man, very, very easy process. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash dunk. That's linkedin.com slash dunk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And we're back after that quick break. Let's take a look at the picks the Thunder have this year and next year and then talk about the potential and also talk about like when the Rockets picks start and where the protections are and what picks are most interesting to us. And so this year, I think everybody knows this pretty well. The Thunder have the unprotected Clippers pick. They have the Chris Paul Suns pick, which will be the 30th pick in the draft. Um, and they have a protected Pistons pick that won't convey. And they have um, their own pick. So, uh, that's that. I think we all know that pretty well. In 23, they don't get uh, Rockets picks yet. 
So <laughs> pump the brakes on that. Um, they have a, a pick swap with the Clippers that likely will not matter because the Clippers are just too competent for it to matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a Nuggets pick from the Steven Adams trade that is top 14 protected. Uh, if it doesn't convey, the protection will be top 14 protected in 24 and 25 before converting to a 25 and 26 second round picks. So, I yeah, that's likely to convey. That will likely convey. I mean, you look at what the Nuggets are now, and it's probably the worst version of them. I mean, I think the Nuggets yeah. will be awesome next year. It's probably a pick in the 20s. Uh, and then the Wizards pick is really kind of interesting. So this was acquired. This is in the Shangun trade. Um, that pick um, will, what is it? I think that it's lottery protected. What is it? Mm-hmm. Top 14. Yeah, lottery. Yeah, lottery protected for them. And then... Um, becomes unprotected in 26 if it doesn't convey in 24 or 25 which is quite interesting because yeah right now i don't see a clear path to the wizards being a a a very good team or making even the play like they're pretty far from the play in as of today maybe if beal comes back and he and porzingis catch fire maybe it conveys next year, but I think it's more likely that Beal re-ups, things don't go well, Beal gets traded, and then they try to figure it out. And having an unprotected, potentially unprotected pick in 2026 is interesting. So the Wizards pick is one to really monitor, in my opinion, because there's a chance Mm -hmm. they're just like perpetually in the lottery, you know, for the next, you know, four or five years. Uh, And then 24 is when the Rockets pick start. So yeah. that's where we have to start projecting after next season, how good do we think this Rockets team can be? And a lot yeah. of it will just, just like with this Thunder team, it's really going to depend a lot on the lottery for them and what's yeah. going to happen. Cause they are very far culturally, very far talent wise, very far from being a team that matters in the Western conference. And so yeah. Those team, those, that first pick is top four protected. Which is the thing that scares me. I mean, everything is protected to a good degree. Yeah. And but but like I think that it's good now to remember uh, what the trade was and the fact that they got a year of Chris Paul, a great year, and a great year of Chris Paul that learned that was able to teach a lot. It's one of the most, I mean, a, like one of the more fun Thunder seasons yeah. of the last, I mean, the last season that was that much fun. Oh God, it was, it was probably a long, it was probably the 2010 or 2011 season for the Thunder because the ex, one, the expectations were like crushing those years or yeah. like title or bust. Then you got to the Russell Westbrook. Maybe it was like the most fun year since the Russell Westbrook MVP season because like that was a fun yeah. season. There weren't a lot of expectations. Russ blew the doors off of whatever we thought. Won the MVP. That was great. And then you get Paul. It was Jones historical. Yeah, but it was still tough to yeah. some degree. I mean, yeah. the year of Chris Paul was just all joy. It was gravy. It was the, it was the gravy train. We knew it exactly. wasn't going to last long. They were way better than we could have expected. We thought we were going to be in the lottery yeah. that year. 
Yeah. You end up going to the playoffs. You take the Rockets to the brink. That was fun. That was great. Yeah. Anyways, I derailed the whole thing just to talk about how fun. I just was thinking about that. I was seeing Chris Paul walk onto the floor last night. You got a mm. big standing ovation here in Oklahoma City. It was really fun to watch him just be here. And then you just think back like, man, what a fun season that was. Like we got our yeah. first taste of Shea Gilders Alexander and what he was going to be. Like it was, it was great. What was Gallo? And Gallo. Love watch Gallo plays. Yeah. Um, but back to, to, to my original thought. I mean, even if nothing conveys, which is still a little bit unlikely, yeah. you do the trade even knowing that. Oh, yeah. I think. You, you do the trade now thinking about what it was. You do it for just the year of Chris Paul. Exactly. Yeah. You could go back yeah. and say like, hey, like we got to redo this thing. Like this was messed up. Like we messed up bad. <laughs> there are more and messed up bad. Yeah. Now, I mean, they just, the they, they've just been lucky. Lakers have no options. Yeah. With Russ. Well, they have an option, but like our good options. Dear listener here, I don't love the idea. Um, I still think that uh, it's way more honorable to come home. <laughs> and, but hey, um, no, it's not uh, doable anymore. So that's okay. I would do, I would do it for 2027 20, and 2029 still. Not sure that the Lakers will actually do it. It's it's going to be a mess of a summer for the Lakers. There's no doubt about that. Um, we're getting a comment here. McKellie's, uh kind of fading in and out here. So is Andrew implying that tanking isn't the only way? Because he's been preaching that for quite some time. I'm so complicated today. Um, no, I mean, the Thunder are clearly tanking. And it is the only way that they're going to get real stars here. And had they not done this, I mean, if they're counting on seven, eight, nine lottery odds to get you there, like that's, that's more foolish than what they're doing right now. Like way more foolish than what they're doing right now. I think yeah. it is the only way I'm just saying that, that I just, people have gotten to the point where if we don't get a top five pick that they believe that it'll be doomsday for OKC. And it could, it could actually be true. It could be true, but it doesn't necessarily mean all doom and gloom. Am I disappointed if no. they don't get a top five pick? Absolutely. Is the Thunder front office disappointed if they don't get a top five pick? Absolutely. Does it mean that they more than Andrew just... probably? Probably, yeah, way more than me. You think they're just going to tear everything up and just be like, "All right, we got to do this all over again"? Like, there's there's going to be another path forward. Will it be to a team that's going to compete for a title? Maybe not. But I do think that tanking is the right thing to do. However, they've set up this infrastructure. And I was sitting next to Steve McGeehee last night. And we're just saying, like, listen, the reason they're winning right now is because of the blue. Because all these guys have played yeah. together. There's no, like, figuring out, like, there's no getting to know you period where that's, like, happening and. Portland and happening with all these other organizations where it's like, I don't know how you play. Let's just all go figure it out. Like, no, these guys have been playing together all year. They've been practicing yeah. together all year. They've been running the same stuff with the blue all year. And it's, it's hard because you want to reap the benefits later on of the blue and you want to reap the benefits of the blue now. 
but the benefits of the blue today are interfering with what the goals are of today. <laughs> you know, it's it's very complicated because they're going to use the blue a ton because they're going to have late first round picks, late second round picks, mid first round picks that are all going to be spending time with the blue. And they're using yep. it to develop and they don't have to travel anywhere. They can sleep in their own bed when they're with the blue. They can go back and forth on, from the blue to the thunder. Like it's going to be very beneficial. However, when you're trying to lose games at the end of the season because you didn't lose enough at the beginning, the blue works against you <laughs> at this point because <laughs> they have developed something that's kind of, you know, has some strength to it. And it's, it, it is part, and I know people don't want to hear like, the culture, this, the culture, that, like they do have a strong culture. Like there's just no way around that. And strong culture in any organization is going to help you. And we have to, we have to remember at a certain point, like the Thunder are not just an NBA team. They're a multi-billion dollar company. (laughs) Like that's what they are. And the, the value of culture is not just about a basketball team on the court. There are so many people in this city employed by the Thunder. And they all love working for the Thunder because they do have a strong culture because it is a top to bottom thing. That's not just, it's all about building a basketball team, but there are so many things that aren't the basketball team that the culture is about too. And it's really hard to remember that. And it's hard to remember that like Sam Presti's job isn't just making a a good basketball team. Like he's, uh, involving the team with the community, making sure that, you know, a lot of people are taken care of within the organization. A lot of things in the city yeah. are being done properly. And it's, it's, it is a complicated job that requires a good culture in order for things to keep going. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think they're done tanking. I don't think this is over just because they beat the Suns on April 3rd, 2022. I don't think it means that they're done tanking for next year. I still think the best thing for them is to get more lottery picks. And ideally they get two good lottery picks and they can form a core from that and then make trades to get better on the margins. And I think that that's where we're still heading. Um, However, the player development, the culture, the ability to pick guys that are good uh, is furiously working against that. Yeah. Then maybe they will get luck. Lucky. A little bit. A little bit of luck. Give me, give me, hey, give me a that. little bit of luck. I, I would I would consider getting the fourth pick lucky at this point. <laughs> yeah, that would be lucky. I mean, uh, I'm positive that one of the big men will be there. I think so too. I think somebody will want yeah. Ivy higher. Uh, they'll need yeah. a guard. Orlando, if they like. Maybe OKC will want him higher. But anyway, we'll see. It's possible. Have you watched any of these guys yet or are you still waiting for the season to end? Um, I'm just trying to navigate a few the last few weeks of the world going completely crazy here in Europe. Yeah. And um, But yeah, um, by Easter, I will start diving. Yeah. So yeah, By Easter, and then we'll, we we'll will get start there. doing the Thunder After Dark NBA draft series too. Will be on the OKC yeah. Dream Team. If you don't, if you wonder what that is, Patreon.com/slash OKC Dream Team. We do a lot of podcasts over there, including with Michele and John Ham and Brett Dawson. Um, it's it's great stuff. 
and it's really fun. It's another if you need more Thunder content. Oh, Joe Masato. I didn't say Joe Masato's name. Um, so feel free to check that out as well if you need more Thunder content out there. Uh, you need that. You know that you need that. Of course you need it. We all need it. Uh, okay, let's take a look real quick. Um, I know you need to go. I just want to look at, make sure that everybody knows these games. They got four games left. Tuesday night. Four games left. Ooh. Four games. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> they have the all-time tank game. This is going to be it. I think they're going to win this game. They play Tuesday night here in Oklahoma City. They play Portland. It's the last game uh, in Oklahoma City until October. And What a finale. Oh boy, it really is. It's an intense finale. I'm very nervous about it. And then they're on the road for the last three games in Utah on a back-to-back Wednesday uh, and then Friday they play the Lakers, and Sunday they play the Clippers on the road. It says on Tankathon they play at 11 a.m. I do believe that that tips at 8.30 p.m., so not at 11 a.m. 3.30 my time. Yeah. Not, not a great time for a game for you. <laughs> uh, and then it's over, <laughs> and then it's completely over, and next Monday we will know where they are in the standings. We will know everything and we'll be here to recap the season for you guys then. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Follow McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Vera. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you have a chance, it would uh, mean a lot to us. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, join us on YouTube. Search for Downs Dunk on YouTube and uh, come hang out with us during the stream. We appreciate you guys and we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.